You're listening to episode four of Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership. In this episode, a new role for leaders. Hi, I'm Sharon. And I'm Diana. And we're going to be talking about leadership in organizations. Leadership in organization happens at all levels and takes many forms. We've talked a little bit about how that looks at the executive level, managing and dealing with change, uh, but we haven't talked so much about what that looks like at the team level. Okay. So maybe we should shift to that. Right. Uh, you've got lots of experience working with teams right. during change. What are your thoughts about that? How, how do pe- uh, let me let me rephrase yeah. that to be more specific. How do people show leadership during change when they don't necessarily uh, hold a leadership title? Right. What does that look like? Right. I would say that what I see in teams is some people stepping up to one kind of leadership and other people stepping up to other kinds of leadership and change. And it has to do, because very often team members, even even people who are working as agile, as a uh, embedded agile team coach or yeah, product sure. owner or scrum master, have not necessarily had any kind of leadership training. Mm-hmm. Or, or mentoring or, you know, specific leadership development of that kind. And so what I see is that people tend to take leadership um, in the way that's most comfortable for them. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. that people who are particularly task-focused but tend to see the big picture and be pretty visionary, we'll take leadership around team direction and and how we're going to get the work done. and Sort of what, a project mag- management well, sort of. A... Well, but even more just so, you know, what what does this product need to look like? What ah, does it need uh-huh, to do? Uh-huh. How, how are we going to connect with our users? And then there are other folks who are much more tuned into, I would say, the life of the team. And they might step up to leadership more in the areas of, well, are we collaborating together as best we can? Mm-hmm. Um, what else is it that we need to do to create a lot of resilience in our team? Mm-hmm. Um, those kinds of things. Mm-hmm. Um, still, other folks have a gift, and sometimes this is the testers or the QA-oriented folks, Um have a real gift for um, kind of evaluation and criticism, you know, of, of really being able to take some uh, leadership around, you know, what's, what's broken or what's not going to work and how can we shift that so that it will work better sure. or, or where, you know, where really are the bugs, whether it's the bugs in the, in the product, um, or it's the bugs in our process. You know, how is our process not working for us? And they have a more critical eye that they can bring to that and, and notice where the, discerning, where the bo- discerning, discerning, yeah, a discerning <laughs> eye. And, and they can notice where, 
uh-huh. where the both the bottlenecks but and the hiccups are. Uh-huh. Um, and so there's a bunch of different ways, I think, that people contribute to change agency um, and leading change at the team level. And, and it tends to be uh, more tactical than strategic, um, making, making sure that we're still being productive, that we're still getting, we're still meeting our um, iteration goals, we're still having something to show on, on demo day, those kinds of things as we shift how we do our work or shift to having a new product or whatever the nature of the change might be. You know, what I think you just illustrated um, really nicely is that concept that we talked about a couple podcasts ago that um, Joseph Raylan had talked mm-hmm. about where he talked about the idea of leaderful organizations, yes. not leaderless, yeah. but but just to recap that idea, he he he's been one of the people who who I have found to be really useful in in thinking through and articulating a point of view that says, look, the idea of having leaders out front, you know, the person who has all the answers that we look to. He's the leader, we're the followers, you know, go, um, is really outmoded. It's outdated. And what he's saying is that rather than a traditional notion of leadership being an individual who's who's um, essentially controlling, who, uh, I mean, not controlling, but, but is in control steering, of everything. Maybe steering the, yeah. the change. And, yeah. and is uh, very dispassionate, doesn't get involved with people because that's too costly for a leader. And leadership passes, you pass the mantle from one person to the other and, and yeah. whatever. He's articulated this idea of leaderful organizations where leadership is concurrent, the way you just described it, that that all of those functions are being performed, they're happening at the same time. They are embodied uh, within different individuals taking the, the leadership or the helm, if you will, on that particular aspect of, of a change. Uh, it's collective because it involves lots of people and it disperses the leadership throughout. It's collaborative. And it's compassionate. It's about, you know, how do people feel as we're going through this? Is this working? How do we tweak it? And, and I think that um, in actuality, this does happen in lots of organizations. And we don't necessarily know how what to call it. We don't know how to reward it. We don't know how to fan the flames right. for it to happen more. But it is, in fact, really... I think the way leadership should work. Well, and I think it's the it's the way, if we really look at it, it's the way leadership actually does work. Yeah. Um, as opposed to our theories about how leadership works and our models of leadership, right? And the, and the myths. And the myths around that. And and I'm more, and maybe it's because I'm getting older, but I'm <laughs> more and more attached to, let's see what's real. Let's yes, see what's really going on, and 
and models, you know, all models are wrong. Some are useful. I, you know, I love useful models. And sometimes we just have to look at what's, what's really happening. Right. And that piece, I think, and acknowledging that piece, I think we don't, you're right. We don't recognize it. We don't, um, we don't, because we get so tied up with our mythologies and our models of leadership, we actually don't see it exactly as it's happening in exactly. that way. And um, I mean, and it's a much more as as we think about organizations uh, in a more organic way, as opposed to that old, more old style mechanistic way. I think we allow for this kind of organic growth mm -hmm. of, of leadership and change agency and support of change and innovation at many levels of the organization just as they flower as they pop up because it is a more you know the the idea of the the big leader i think what you know what whoever is or team of leaders um really have the job of making sure that they're creating the most fertile garden right for all this other right. leadership to grow you bet you know and and in that way um it also supports the idea of resilience it also supports mm -hmm. the idea of um the possibilities for innovation makes that makes those greater yes it, and for organizational learning it also it also creates yes the organizational learning because it creates opportunities for very rapid adjustments yes because yes. things don't have to go all the way up some kind of management chain and back down again right people know they can be leaders wherever they are whatever their role in the organization they can take leadership uh they can enact a leadership role in based some, on yeah. based on what's what their focus is what's right in front of them i think the challenge there is to the or the, maybe the flip side the you know they're always the yin and the yang yeah. you know i mean we're talking about the really positive bright side the dark side of that is um watching out for uh local optimization at the at the expense of maybe more Right. global optimization right. in the organization and that then that then of course is one of the things that people at more of a middle level right should be focusing on um and ensuring that 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 isn't happening either you know intentionally right. or or non-intentionally right. uh that's one of their roles right. clearly well and that's why change agency i think at that level mm -hmm at that middle level is beginning to look more and more like working laterally instead right. of working vertically in functional silos. You bet. Those managers need to be able to reach out to their peers across the organization to stay in touch with what's going on and to enable um, optimization that, that works for everyone mm -hmm. as well as impediment removal and the other things that we talk about. Right that's their job right 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 and impediment removal i think is a perfect example of uh, but you see an impediment and you don't want to fix that impediment or problem solve it in such a way that you're just creating issues somewhere else right you, know, you need to be able to take that more systemic broader view uh to make sure that whatever 
whatever tweaks, whatever adjustments, adapt adaptations mm -hmm. that you're making mm -hmm. to relieve this bottleneck or fix this other problem or change this process isn't going to cause more, you know, more issues downstream. Or if it is, you you know what they're going to be and you can go after them right mm -hmm. away. Mm -hmm. And um, so I think there's that whole uh, layer, as you will, if you will, of management. Um, their their role as change agents is really shifting. It's no longer um, get the directive from on high and just make sure that we implement it the way on high expects us to implement this directive. It's a much more learningful, mm -hmm. <laughs> thoughtful, mm -hmm. uh, also cross-functional, just as the teams, we like cross-functional teams, we also like management that could be more cross-functional while they, and, and be generalizing specialists, you know. Maybe my area of specialization is finance, but I need to also be able to work with the IT manager, the application delivery folks, the the um, sales and marketing folks, in order to really make the whole work. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So, you know, I, I was just thinking that as we talk about it, taking leadership at various levels in an organization and um, people putting on, if you will, a, a kind of a leadership cap for a particular yeah. purpose. One of the things that I think has been scary to people maybe when they think about leadership is that, that whole notion of, of power yeah. and how do you use power and influence in an organization and um, uh, particularly the word power mm -hmm. itself just yeah. is, a, is a term that a lot of people really shy away from. They think well, I don't want power, you know, power's, power's not a good thing. Um, so how do we, uh, how do we talk about power in a more neutral way that, that we can enable people to see that, that power and influence are related and that there is a way to use power in a positive way, yeah. as well as an inappropriate right. and negative way. Right. Well, but, I, I think I think that there's some, there has been some recasting. I mean, there has been some, you know, oftentimes when, when culturally we get uncomfortable for a word, uh, with a word, we just, we substitute some other word. <laughs> you, you notice and, that? I've noticed that. And I think influence is one of the words that we substitute. I think the whole idea of empowerment. Uh-huh. And this idea of, which I have railed against and ranted about for years, of, you know, as a manager, I'm supposed to empower my employees. It's like, that can't even happen. Right. Empowerment is something you feel in yourself. Right. Do I, do I feel I have the power to right. do the things I need to get done to do my right. job in a right. way that... It, it's satisfies not, me and the customer and everybody right. else. It's, it's not a gift that you choose to bestow right. on me. Thank you very much. Right, exactly. And, and, but, but I think that also, you know, that plays into this whole question of power. Yeah. You know, the idea that I have the power to empower you, yeah. you know, is 
questionable at best. Uh, yeah. I would go a little <laughs> further than that, but okay. Yeah. So, um, so influence is one way that we talk mm -hmm. about it. Um, leadership at all levels is another way that we talk about it. Uh, I think, I think in some ways, just even the idea of leadership and management are kind of disguised ways of talking about how do we use our power, mm -hmm. you know, at what, and, and in some ways, if we really go back, um, you know, it's also linked to the idea of motivation, mm -hmm. you know, motive. How, how do you get something, you know, automotive, right? How do I get something to move itself, mm -hmm. right? It's about motion. It's mm -hmm. about, it's about forward movement. It's about how can I cause the right kinds, I mean, I think probably in its purest form it means any kind but in our instance how can i how can i help to foster and cause the right kinds of things to happen in my organization um and and i i think that that has been interpreted as how can i manipulate people to do what i want them to do which is kind of the command and control kind um, as opposed to how do I create the conditions where movement happens, mm -hmm. where forward motion, you know, that, that are, that are optimal so that forward motion will occur. Um, it's, and, and so there's a, there's a, there's a shift and a piece there in that, in that, forward movement in that how how do I have the uh, how do I create those conditions how do I you know till the soil in my organic garden so that um, people have what they need for the kinds of um, growth that we want our organization to to have um, I mean, I feel like we're talking very abstract and theoretical, yeah, but right. but I but the nugget is here, and I'm sure we have kind of story examples that we could bring in, but but that's that's really the job, that the idea of of manipulation, which kind of carries with it this sense of. Um, it's kind of a win-lose, and I'm going to get you to do something right. that you might not really want to do, right. but I'm going to, I'm going to motivate you by uh, with right. using sort of the right. carrot and stick. I'm going to make it worth your while to do right. something. It, to me, that misses the whole point. Right. That that it, uh, that people are inherently motivated to to do good work, to do work that's meaningful, that's important, that when they're, when people feel in alignment with the right. goals and values of the organization, they want to do the right thing. You don't have to look over their shoulder and, and give them carrots and, right. you know, well, dangle things yeah. in front of them. It's the whole, it's the whole thing that Dan Pink has been talking about in Drive about 
purpose, autonomy, and mastery. Exactly. Right? I mean, which we know is not very far different than the work that Hackman right. and Oldham were doing 30 years ago, thank you very much, right. around what what makes people right. want to do their best. Right. I mean, it's the same material, and, and it, it, I think it comes from a place of recognizing... You know, to me, it goes way back to a to sort of an a very basic view of what is the nature of human nature. Right? Are people inherently good and wanting to do the right thing, and you, in essence, make the conditions under which ninety nine percent of them are going to do that, and then you deal with the one percent who are not like that for whatever the reasons. You know, maybe they had an axe murderer for a father or whatever, and, you know, they, they, they mm. got weirded out, and so they don't come to work. It's actually uh, the 4 or 5%. But whatever. <laughs> whatever, all right. Yeah, right. But, yeah. Um, or, or, or do you have the view of human nature that, that um, you know, people are, are, are going to do the very best that they can because there's an inherent pride yeah. in doing that. Right. And and if you come from that place, then the whole set of assumptions by which you you organize your universe yeah. are different. Yeah. They're just different. Well, I, and I wanted to come back to this this thought about motivation and 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 that really um to to and maybe, you know, a third of the way if if it's if we want to use that characterization of purpose, autonomy, and mastery, but the idea of autonomy, mm -hmm. that, that sense of I, as an individual can make things happen, uh, you know, f for me, I have kind of control over my work life. We, as a team, we can make things happen. We have control over our work process and how we get things done. And, and that that is a kind that's a form of power. Mm -hmm. That's that's the power piece in that in that triangle, right? Yeah. The purpose mastery. Uh, mastery is another kind of power. It's mm -hmm. it's the power to do good work, as mm -hmm. you were as you were pointing out. The having the skills and the whatever whatever it takes to get the product out the door. But the autonomy, I think, is really the power piece. It really is that piece of uh, I have both the the ability and the and the willingness and the and the permissions the conditions my, and the conditions mm -hmm. in my organization to be able to yeah. make things happen. Yeah, and yeah. and that's that's a big piece. And organizations haven't been built. For that no they haven't and so that's a whole new role for leaders it's part of the change I think that's coming to organizations in how do we create organizations that have those kinds of conditions that's a leadership an upper level leadership problem and actually a problem for all levels because grassroots does make a difference just not usually quite as fast <laughs> You know, I was sitting in a meeting yesterday. Yeah. Um, I was observing a manager um, with with uh, his staff, and there were ten staff people and and the manager. And um, it was 
interesting the way the conversation evolved and something something came up that uh, somebody mentioned a, a program that they were beginning to think about and she said and and uh, I've been collaborating with so-and-so on that because in fact he was a beneficiary beneficiary of that kind of a program when he was a high school student it was it was actually a collaborative idea of allowing high school students to come and uh, be a member uh, like an intern a high school mm -hmm. intern in this organization and this young man evidently had done that and that was the beginning of his career and how he went on and studied this field of work and blah, blah, blah. And um, the manager said, as the conversation went on, said to this young man, well, so are you willing to kind of head that up or whatever? And the young man said, well, uh, yeah, okay. Well, after the meeting, I got a hold of this young man and I said, your story was so compelling when you were just in that meeting telling your story about how participating in this program became your um, your career path. I said your face lit up and I said I, I know that you've now been kind of given this role but but I want to tell you if if you work for me. What what I would want you to do, and I hope you'll do this, is is go get videotaped because you're telling your own story. Telling your own story is the best way you could kick off this. And he was like, really? And I said, oh my God, you have no idea. You know, you just lit up, and I. He, that young man walked away. He was like, his mm -hmm. way way. So he'd just been given this this job to do and and he he was so excited. It felt I, I think between the feedback he got in the meeting and then my trying to amplify that a little bit, um I, he just felt like a million bucks. Mm -hmm. This is an organization that doesn't have a lot of money. Right. Um but this is something really positive that they can do in the community. And wow, this young man is going to have the leadership role now in kicking this thing off. Well, what yeah. a win-win for yeah. everybody. Right. Well, and there's such a, a rich body of literature out there, Steve Debbing and a lot of other folks talking about that role of being able to tell stories mm -hmm. uh, and understand kind of the organizational narrative and use stories to shift that, that I think is is um, is is new new awareness maybe individuals have had it but we haven't had it more broadly and and also very powerful very very powerful and it's, I was in um, recently also in a situation where uh, a, a small group of us were planning to talk to a larger group mm -hmm. a more influential group about some change in direction that they wanted to make. And uh, one of the other women in the group had a story mm -hmm. of how she had used 
really the minimum of resources and sort of drawn on her network. It was really a story about about creating and using a network mm, mm-hmm. to get things done. You know, mm-hmm. back to our motive right, kind of right, right. making things happen at theme. Um, she had really managed to create kind of a whole new, much more streamlined process mm-hmm. by drawing on all of her, the people that she knew in her network, who were all experiencing different pieces of the same problem, but she was the only one who recognized the larger pattern of that yeah. problem yeah. and was able to pull those threads together. It was such a compelling story hmm. about, you know, who she had to call and how that had to work and and then what the outcome was. Yeah. That we said we have to, you know, this we have to showcase this in right. our in our report and in talking to this other group of folks. We absolutely have to use this story because mm-hmm. these instances these specific instances give us the ability to for the generalization you know it reminds me a lot of the of the idea of the black swan you know that we can't recognize an idea we you know that we have a hard time recognizing something new uh-huh. until we've can recognize it right I mean, it's sort right. of a paradoxical thing right but stories i think help us do that Yes, they Stories do. help us say, oh, you know, there, I did see a ship on the ocean, <laughs> and, and this is, you know, and, and then, then we're able to see more. Then we, when we hear one story, we're able to remember more stories, mm-hmm. and that makes it feel even more possible, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. which I think is really powerful as well, yeah. and a wonderful leadership tool. Yeah. At, at for leaders at any level, right of the organization, right. Yeah, and and stories I think help us. Maybe when we've heard enough stories, we can name something because naming is also very powerful. Please share your stories of leadership with us. You can leave a comment on our blog or email us leadershippodcast at gmail.com This has been episode four of Partnerships and Possibilities, a podcast on leadership, hosted by Diana Larson and Sharon Buckmaster. Thanks for listening.